Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name's Dan O'Rourke, and I've got a few people joining me today in studio. Rob McDowell, it's good to see you, Rob. It's good to be here, Dan. And on my left, I've got Father James Mallon. Great to be here. And we're doubling down on the fathers today. We've got the uh, the, the pastor of St. Benedict Parish, Father Simon Lobo. Good to see you, Father Simon. Hey, Dan. So good to be here. Excellent. Last time um, I, I looked at your book, because um, as, as many of our, our listeners would know, you've written a Divine Renovation book, Divine Renovation Apprentice. Last time I saw your book, I saw it in the German language. Oh, yes. And I, I just think that was, for me, that was the coolest thing, because I didn't even know you'd been translated into German. And hardcover as well. And hardcover. Hardcover. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. You could hurt somebody with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I presume you mean the physical copy, not the content. Yeah. All right. So, t- <laughs> so today we're talking about something that a lot of priests uh, get a little um, uncomfortable about talking about when they're, mm. when they're in their parishes. Today mm. we're talking about money. So the question I have for us to explore is why is it important to talk about money in the church? Filthy mammon. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, think, that okay. explains it. Okay. That explains it. All right, <laughs> we can sign off now. <laughs> I, I, I think there's this sense that, um, that that money is worldly, it's dirty, and therefore it's not spiritual. So we shouldn't talk about it. And I think it's a quote from in one of the letters to Timothy. It's not that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. Mm. And Jesus, in many of his parables, talks about the use of money and even s- says that. You know, we we should all, all actually use dishonest wealth or, or money uh, to to do good and to be and to be intentional about it, to be wise about it. So I think that that underlying sense that it's it's not spiritual is a part of the reason why many priests have a hard time talking about it. I I love that point. I think so often we think of we compartmentalize our life. This is my spiritual life. This is my work life. This is my my financial life, this is my relational life. And and as Christians, as believers, as disciples, we we realize that there's a need to integrate our whole life. We're one person. And so the money question, it's it's part of our spiritual life. It is mm. a spiritual reality. Absolutely. And so we can't just say, oh yeah, no, that's uh, money is only something you talk about with your financial planner or something. No, it, it, it impacts my spiritual life as well. My relationship with money as an impact on my relationship with God. So you know there's a lot of priests and, and, and leaders listening. Am I right when I when I assume that that uh, a priest often gets a little uncomfortable with the notion of getting up and, and talking or preaching about money to, to people in their parish? Well, I'd be honest, before coming to St. Benedict, I don't think I had given uh, a significant homily on the subject. I certainly hadn't asked people to give. I, I preached the best I could and hoped people would be generous. Uh, but but I'd never done it in an intentional way before coming, and mm. and when we got here, I realized you guys had set up quite a quite a plan uh, to preach on it in series, and and that was really cool. So I got connected in that way. Yeah, I think what most people don't understand is how fundamental our finances are to being a disciple. You know, if you look how often Jesus spoke about money, he spoke mm. about money all the time. Uh, you know, and in fact, there's I think twenty three hundred scriptures. Uh, you know, throughout the Bible that reference money in some form or another, mm-hmm. right? So it's a very important topic to God. Uh, I think at the root of money is it's control. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. because the more money I have, the more I'll be able to control my life or the easier life I'll be able to have. You know, I think those kind of go one and the same. And as soon as you start talking about money, I think, and people aren't even fully aware of it, 
I think people start to recognize that you're you're challenging them to give up control of their lives. And that gets very personal for people. Or in a, a sense of security. I mean, we actually even talk about investment of, of, of money and wealth as securities, you know. So it really challenges us. You know, we, we claim that, that, you know, our security is, is, is in the Lord. You know, that we somehow pretend that, the, that God is plan A, but in reality, God is not even plan B. Usually it's like plan F. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that sense of, of really trusting in, a, in, in our own wealth. So Jesus said, where your treasure is, there is your heart. And quite literally, I, I think that has, to, that has to do with the physical treasure. You know? I, th- I think to your question too about priests, why is it hard for priests to speak about money? <clears throat> well, for one, you hear about these cults that there's this religious cult and part of the, the thing, they, they get you to believe crazy things and then they get you to cash in all your savings and give it to this cult leader. And so as a priest, there's a feeling like, are people going to think that I'm somehow trying to steal their money and I'm going to, I'm going to use it for my own sordid purposes, which, which of course, for people who don't know, like our salaries are set by the diocese. There's, it doesn't matter how good of a job or bad of a job we, we do, uh, or how, how good of an ask we make that doesn't impact our personal bottom line, but, but that could be one element. What, what will people think of me? Yeah. I, I think too, it goes back to our, our kind of underlying ecclesiology. It's not an official one. Ecclesiology, we mean the theology of the church because think of, of, of our language. Parishioners will talk about giving to the church mm. as if the church is not them. So think about that. It's like I am giving to something that is not me and the priest is a part of the church. So there is this sense that, that I'm giving this money to the priest. And although today most in most places there are salaries, that's for most of our 2,000 years, that's not been the case. In fact, mm. until very, very recently in, in our own diocese and in many places currently, there's, a, there's priests who get a very, very small stipend and you get actually to keep the Christmas collection and the Easter collection. Mm. And, that, and if you're in a, a well-off parish, you're doing great. If you're in a poor parish, you barely can afford to feed yourself. And that really has been the tradition for a long, long time. So quite literally, we were hampered by the fact that for many Catholics, the giving was to support the livelihood of the priest. You were not giving to the mission, per se, but giving to the priest himself. And we're trying to turn this around and making it about the mission. A secondary reason why our ecclesiology has impacted us is because, because of clericalism. Who owns the mission? Who is the responsibility of the mission? Well, the priests mm. or the professionals, not not the laity, and it's hard to buy into something when you don't when you're not bought into it. You're not yeah. an owner. You're not an owner, exactly. Yeah. So that we've created this passivity amongst our people that they don't have ownership of of the mission uh, has has created a low a low level of of buy in, and, and and then you could look at things such as the you know the the lack of vision, because if the if the goal is simply to pay the bills and and, and nothing else, then you don't really need all that much. Yeah, and I think too around that as far as communicating it goes, sometimes when when we put demands on people versus opportunities, because because really you know you, you think of particularly Paul in Second uh, Corinthians where he talked about the whole idea of giving uh, and being generous, he's he's wanting them to understand first of all what Jesus has done, mm. right, and the fact that 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 you've been offered grace, mm. and when your heart has been changed generosity is the natural response to that. Mm. And I think so often we, we miss that piece that, that really money is just a practical way for us to reflect on how valuable Jesus is to us. Mm. Not the only way, but one of the ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So both both um, both you, Father James, and you, Father Simon, have have stepped into the space of of talking about money from uh, in, in your homilies and in, and in your leadership in the parish. Uh, let me ask you a question about um, what are some of the, the 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 experiences you've had in terms of why people might be reluctant. What are some of the things that are holding people back from from really stepping into that giving mentality? Well, I think for some people, as Rob said, there's a sense of control or fear. Uh, the flip side of that, that if I, if I give, what if I don't have enough, you know, and I need to save for my retirement, I need to save for my kids college fund, I need to, um, uh, there's, there's a few nice things that that we'd like to do go on a, a vacation or, or what have you. And so if I give to the church, then I won't have enough or some people thinking, well, you know, what? I give to other charities, I give to the Red Cross, or I give to this or that charity. And so, so I'm a generous person, you know, and you want me to give to the church as well. I think there's the resistance of, let's be honest, there, there's been a lot of scandal in the church. And mm-hmm. so people feel, remember talking to a relative about this one time and just that that hurt, that jaded factor of uh, we've been giving to the church for years mm-hmm. and now there's all these scandals and what's happening? The church is making payouts from the money that we gave and we, mm-hmm. And, and again, there's a separation in our ecclesiology about the perpetrators and the, but 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 the fact is ultimately they f- they feel this sense of well, I've been generous and now the money's yeah. going going yeah. to you know so so there's all kinds of reasons why, uh, but I think at the root of it, fear is the number one thing that holds people back. I, I think to the. the Underneath it as well is that lack of buy-in because what we found is, you know, when you invest in evangelizing and when people, you know, have a conversion to Jesus, a conversion to the church and a conversion to the mission, uh, when when that conversion to the mission happens and people are primed, uh, the, the, they've got a relationship with the Lord. And then when you add teaching, when you connect giving to mission, and that's what we did over the years at, at mm-hmm. the parish, you know, in our publications, we tell stories called the the fruit of your giving, where we would link transformed lives of people who have gone on to make a difference in the world with with what's put in, in into the collection. That that's that's a big deal. So linking those things up is essential, and the failure to link them up, uh, I think, is the biggest reason for for low level giving. But I think for us as Catholics is also a, a perception issue, in that the church the church is rich, the church yes. is wealthy. You know, the people will talk about the Vatican as if. You know what you put into the collection immediately uh, gets wired to the Vatican, the central bank account at the Vatican, and and there's just this big <laughs> pot of money uh, that they get sent that they get sent to the Pope. And of course, I would hope that most people realize that is simply not the case. There is every diocese is a, is financial is a financially independent entity from any other, and really in many ways in canon in church law, uh, every parish is financially distinct from. A diocese, so a, a parish really, in many ways, has to has to fund itself. It, it's not linked. You you can't call the Vatican Bank and get a loan. Uh, and and so and and even if you look at the overall budget of the Vatican, which is a city state in and of itself, it's still less than uh, some of the sports teams in North America or so, some of the some of the co- colleges. Mm. So you already started to unpack some of the things that we could do uh, to, to address sort of that pushback. Let's continue to explore what, what are some of the things, because we've got lots of, of people listening who, who want to, to improve giving at their parish, not, not necessarily to, to grow their coffers, but to grow, grow their disciples. Uh, and so, so what are some of the things that we can do to, to, to manage some of that pushback? 
Well, I think cast a vision for what it looks like to be generous with people's lives. Um, I think back uh, a great series that Andy Stanley did, a pastor in the United States a number of years ago. He said, we spend so much time uh, trying to, with, with the idea of how do you get rich? And he said, what would it look like if we helped people understand how to be rich? Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he takes that out of first, uh, first Timothy six there where, uh, where Timothy talks about your Paul talks to Timothy about helping people be content and help the rich understand what it looks like. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things that so often we don't even understand what it is that we have. Mm-hmm. We don't appreciate it. I mean, right now, if you're in North America, uh, you own a, a um, you own, own a house and a vehicle, you're in the top 5% of the richest people in the world. But most of us in North America that are in that category don't think of ourselves that way. Yeah. Like we've got a fundamental misunderstanding of all that we've been given and we don't have an appreciation for it. And I, I think on top of that, we don't necess- necessarily see the fact that it's that it comes from God and he's given it to us yeah. generously. We're, we're, we live in a culture that is is constantly reminding us of what we don't have. You know, there's built, you know, things are obsolescent, you know, you know, within a year or two, you get, you get a, you know, the, the new phone and two months later, a new one comes out and you're made to feel like a loser because you don't have the newest thing. And so there's always this sense that you don't have enough, you don't have enough. And, and I think, you know, that translates into, in, into finances this, it, that we constantly feel if, if I could just have a bit more, it yeah. would be okay. And of course you get that more. Mm. And within a week you're thinking, if I can just have a bit more. Mm. Well, consumeristic marketing is built on creating discontentment yep. in people. So there's that link between gratitude and generosity yes. is what I'm hearing is as we can help people grow in their own sense of gratitude, then then they actually grow in, in generosity. I love what you said about vision. And, and you've said this many times, Father James, money follows vision. Yep. And if the vision is, hey, we've got to repair the roof, then we need people to cough up some dough here, then then that's not that compelling. It's necessary. We obviously need to do upkeep. We need to do maintenance <laughs> on our church buildings, but but that's not compelling in the same way. And and I think, too, in our approach as leaders, we're trying to move from uh, fundraising to raising givers. Yes. And that's such a key distinction where uh, we've been pretty clear about eliminating as much as possible the fundraising type of events that you know, let's get together and have a spaghetti supper and, and make a few bucks off of this and or or let's play Chase the Ace or whatever these different different kinds of gaming I, I, ways. I, I of yearn for a church in which there is no such thing as a fundraising anymore. It drives me crazy. I, I see it like this. It's like, you know, do you want to help the poor? Um, no. <laughs> uh, what if we give you a chance to win something? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, do you want to contribute to the mission of the church to transform the world? No. What if we sing and dance and entertain you? Okay. It's like, what does it say about us? What does it say about our own maturity that, that the only reason I will, the only motive I will have to give to these essential things is if I have a chance to get something back? What does that actually say about us? So the whole underlying uh, principles of the fundraising model, I think, is awful. It keeps us in a place of immaturity. Like, here's the thing. If your ministry cannot exist without getting other people to pay for it, then it doesn't deserve to exist. It shouldn't exist. If you're, you know, it often translates like this. My ministry is so important. We believe in it so much that we're going to get other people to pay for it. I think we got to f- face what's really under underneath this 
and take ownership of it. I mean, if, if let our yes be a yes, if we believe in it, let's step up and give. Well, let me ask you this, guys. Uh, when is it appropriate? When is the time to, to step into the space and ask people to give? Because I want to make it practical for those who are listening. And so, like, you know, there, there'll be people listening who haven't, they'll, they'll be where you were, Father Simon, before mm-hmm. you, you, you first came to, to St. Benedict Parish. You might have mentioned it a couple times in a homily, but uh, haven't gone further than that. When is the right time and how should they, how should they approach that opportunity? Most churches that I know of that do this well, they they very intentionally pick a time of the year when they're going to do uh, an ask. And so for us, we've chosen sometime in the spring, usually post-Easter, three weeks in a row, where we, we preach on giving for the first two week weekends. We'll, we'll talk about uh, giving our first fruits, some, some biblical principles. We don't want to just give to God the leftovers, but we want to give him our very best, our first. Mm-hmm. Might even... We started to introduce the topic of tithing, and then by by week three, we we make an ask, and we we prepare people. It's it's linked to our our annual financial report. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it our Stewardship of Treasure magazine, and and basically on that third week, we invite people to to fill out a card in their pew. So so again, there's a homily, uh, and then to to actually make a commitment, some kind of a personal pledge, uh, to say, yeah, this is how. I'm going to increase in giving. And then to, to come forward and place that card in a basket before the altar. When we first did this, uh, there were audible gasps and shock when I announced that we were going to do it, actually invite people to make a pledge, uh, which was more of a symbolic thing before the Lord. We weren't actually going to, you know, take them and hold and call, call people back, but it was more of a, of, a, of, of a spiritual thing. And we invited people even to put, to put their names on it. And I just simply said to people, look, if public television can do this, why can't the church? Why? What's what's more? What mission is more important? But even in the first couple of years, it took us about three years before I think it began to be normalized. And I used to get some kind of nasty comments on the cards, like the odd time. And it, actually, I found it very, very painful. But things actually got better by about the fourth or fifth year. And the first year that that Father Simon was was with the parish, we did it again. And and I got this one cards back that really upset me. It was. I got so angry. It was put into my office, and it said, uh, "Yeah, you you give up your 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 Mini Cooper, and I will increase my giving." And I was so upset. I was saying, "Do you believe this?" I because because I, I I tithe and I give to the parish, and I give. And who who does this person think they are judging me like this? Do you know who it was that wrote it? Yep. Father Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, just to to set the record straight, I think I, I impersonated you. I filled it out as my name. Father James Mallon, I will this year donate my Mini Cooper. <laughs> but I, uh, that was you a fun. Always, you that always was a see fun. what you see. I was so upset, I didn't even see it. That was a fun SLT, though, when he told you that it was actually him that wrote it. <laughs> Can you believe the audacity? <laughs> I thought all these people had left our church already. <laughs> So you, you, there's specific times a year that we should be stepping into that space. I think you, you mentioned some of the uh, the particular techniques that, that that are used. Is there anything else that we should that we want to share with people who are listening who I, might be beginning? I this think journey? as well. We used to always say to people, "Look, we're going to talk about this." And as, as, mm-hmm. as Simon said, that we we would tell people in advance, "This is the period where we're going to we're going to speak about this." And we recognize that this may make some of you feel uncomfortable or even upset. And if that's the case, then Talk to Jesus about that. Simple as that. Like, like, why? I mean, it's okay if you are upset, but talk to the Lord about it. What's really going on there? Mm. Uh, because, you know, Jesus talked about 
money more than almost any other topic he, he spoke about. It is a spiritual reality, and the Lord has given us a mission. I believe the mission that he's given to us is is to transform the world. So let's let's think think big and dream big. And I think for the most part, you know, in, in our parish, there's been an incredible response. Uh, many of the parishes in our, in our network, they've seen they're giving double, increased by 50% in a very, very short time. And and it simply, it's it's true. If you evangelize, if you if you help people to own the mission, and if you cast vision and teach on giving, people will respond. Yeah, I just want to come back to something, actually, Father James, you said earlier about the, the importance of telling stories. And I find so much in, during this three-week preaching series on giving, we tell stories and stories, and even in our booklet, about lives that have been changed. And I think if there's one thing that people hear, it's that you got to tell those stories of conversion because that's what you're funding. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your giving helps to support the changing of people's lives that's impacted for all of eternity. Amen. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us, guys. It's been a great conversation. And I, I, what, I, what I'm struck by is, is the importance of, of the topic, but also the bravery and courage it takes for us to, as leaders to step into it and be willing to share uh, the message that Jesus himself gave us. Uh, for those of you who've been listening, we're going to be taking a brief pause over, over Christmas break, and we're picking it up again in January. We look forward to being with you in the new year. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, download the Divine Renovation app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to stay connected with all things Divine Renovation. Next week on the podcast, we're going to focus on results or we're going to focus on people. Right, one or the other. Right, you know, the bottom line and we're driven by, you know, numerical success, whatever the case is, it's all about the numbers and people are expendable. Or we go the other way, you know, sometimes in the churches, well, the church is about people and we care for people sometimes at the expense of result. Right. You know, and, and with Jesus, you see that integration to where, you know, he came to seek and save the lost. But yet he raised up people and invested people and spent time with people and, and released them, right? So it wasn't this either or dichotomy. Thank you.